Hey guys, I'm Caroline. And I'm Natalie. And we're Easily Distracted, a weekly podcast where no topic is too off-topic. In this episode, I'll be giving you the rundown on what you might have missed this week, and Natalie will be doing a deep dive on Rebecca Harkness. Let's dive in. So, we took a week off last week because it was my birthday and I just didn't feel like recording. She was a birthday gal, and we keep doing this, so we need to stop missing weeks. And I we know, need to I know. stop being slackers. Slacking. But we got a lot of stuff to catch up on now this week. We do. And actually, even just between me and Natalie, we really haven't been FaceTiming that much lately because I feel like we've just been like busy doing stuff like your birthday last week and you had Connor's parents visiting and like I was out of town and just so many things that like we just really haven't even had time to catch up so I haven't even heard the full extent of your trip last weekend yeah so I went down to Boston for my birthday and I got to go to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum which was so amazing I loved it callback uh that's throwback to episode three in case you missed it where caroline talked about the biggest art heist in history is that what it was i believe so or the most like valuable or something yeah because it was i think 550 million dollars worth of art was stolen oh you want me to remember something from may come on you're (laughs) supposed to be the expert (laughs) you're supposed to be the expert you just went I know, and I literally listened to our podcast episode on the drive down to remi- to refresh Did myself. You really? Yeah, but no, it was like literally the coolest museum I think I've ever been in. I really, really enjoyed it. Oh my and god! Fun. Anyone who takes a trip to Boston, like I definitely recommend it because it was well. One, if you go, make sure to bring headphones. Like it literally is such a big difference in your experience if you have headphones because mm-hmm. on their website they have a guided audio tour. And it like makes the museum so much cooler because one weird thing about this museum is like Caroline said in the episode in her will, she said that they weren't allowed to change anything after her death. So it stays exactly the same all the time. And part of that is that she didn't put labels on any of the art. It's just meant to be enjoyed and interpreted as you want to interpret it. It's not she didn't want the museum to be telling you how to interpret the art. So there's no labels on anything at all. So and it so doesn't you, even say like oh, the artist my, or anything yeah, like nothing. or the title. Nope. Because oh, wow. you're just supposed to look at the art and interpret it as you want to interpret it. And so with the audio tour, it kind of helps to give you context of what's going on because there's no like signage or anything around the whole museum. Yeah. But that's also part of what made it like really cool and a super unique museum. So I really enjoy it and highly recommend it. Yeah, I didn't even see if you had pictures of like the missing items or anything like of the like. Yeah, I did take pictures. Yep, I did. Yeah, you didn't even send me any. I posted them on our Instagram story. (laughs) Okay, you posted like one or two, but like you didn't post all of them. I only remember seeing three, I think. Oh, really? That I can think of, but. What was so weird? Okay, so here's what I pictured when we were talking about it, is that I pictured that they went in, basically grabbed the pieces that they wanted, which I expected were close to the entrance, mm-hmm. and then left. But they're the most random pieces throughout the museum. 
And you said this in the episode that they weren't even like the most valuable pieces, but like it's not a like big open museum. It's pretty small and almost feels like you're in a house. Yeah, because didn't it used to be a house? I think so. And it's like you go into one room and one of the rooms, it was so bizarre. It was literally just like the smallest like eight by ten size picture that was missing in the room is covered from floor to ceiling in artwork all around. And, and they all they took was to one the little, one. yeah. Then they had to go all the way up to the third floor to get two other paintings. And it's just like so weird the number and which paintings they decided to take. Very bizarre. Well, yeah. Because do you remember I said like they were in there for like two hours or something, which yeah. is like so unheard of. It's like you're in and you're out. Like that's usually like if there's like some kind of heist happening or whatever, like you're not hanging around. Yeah. And one thing that was really cool, too, was there actually was one room that had I'm trying to find I took a picture so I can remember. But there was one room that has like, I guess, a rotating feature artist or whatever. Oh, okay. What was there when we went was really cool. Okay, so the artist's name is Fabiola Jean Louise, I think. And her whole display that was out is called Rewriting History. Um, she's a Brooklyn-based artist, like, modern day, I think. And what's really cool is it's it was all, like, European nobility portraits from the 1600s to 1800s range. Mm-hmm. But it was all, like, women and people of color, especially, oh, like, wow. women of color. And so it's kind of, like, reimagining what history would be like if it was all, like, women and women of color who were the nobility class and the ruling oh, yeah, class. yeah, that's cool. Which was really cool. It was like a really pretty display. I really enjoyed that. So check out that artist too if you look yeah, any that of this up. cool. So yeah, that was kind of like my big thing that I did recently. So what's been up with you, my sister? Yeah, that same weekend I went down to Atlanta to see none other than our featured guest all the time, the big dingus of the week usually, Laura. I was going to say the nincompoop herself. The <laughs> nincompoop herself. Um <laughs> she's literally gonna text me because every time we mention her she texts me and she's like i'm not an idiot (laughs) well she just has to get on the podcast as a guest host and prove it exactly prove it to us laura if you're a real friend when you listen to this you'll text me i'll i actually can't think of something clever for her to text me what should she text um i'm not sure Both of our brains just didn't you're, work. You're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Laura, if you listen to this, you have to text me that you're my best friend. Okay, bye. But Laura, you should really prove your smarts and come on here and your episode can be the string theory episode. Yeah, exactly. It can Freaking be actually the it. theory of relativity. Freaking prove it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I went to Atlanta and... It was so much fun. We see my big thing, which I also posted about on our Instagram story, was going to the Georgia Aquarium, which was incredible. It was so cool. It's a ginormous aquarium. I've been to it like years and years and years ago, and I don't even remember it really. So this was like the first time that I went and actually like soaked in what I was seeing, and it it was amazing. It was so much fun. I'm very jealous of that. I really want to go. Yeah, the whale sharks were so cool. 
But it was also just like crazy to see them and be like, holy shit, they're so big and they're not even that big because they're in captivity. So like they don't even grow to their full potential. I think they're on the smaller side and they were also like rescues from being in a fish market, I think. So like, yeah, because I think most of the animals that they have there are rescues that they said. Like from stuff like that, like either like boating accidents or fish markets or whatever. So that also makes me feel better about going to it. Yeah, I was going to say this podcast is like anti-captivity for entertainment, Mm -hmm. but very supportive of captivity for rehabilitation and rescue. And for conservation efforts. Yeah, Yeah. conservation. Guys, science. don't, don't even get me started on orcas because... I will go down that rabbit hole and it'll take up the whole episode and it'll end up with all of us crying, especially me. <laughs> we almost did an orca episode before. Yep. And I think it ended up becoming the Sable Island Pony uh, episode did. instead. <laughs> because, because I couldn't get through the research. <laughs> yeah, because I was so sad. And I, as I was doing it, I was I texted Natalie and I was like, does this sound too sad? And she was like, um. Yeah, I think so. I'm like, this is really meant to be like a lighthearted kind of fun <laughs> to like listen to on your things. Yeah, like fun to listen to on your commute kind of podcast, not a like we're gonna give you depression because orca whales are exploited and being killed kind of podcast. So if you want exactly. that vibe, go somewhere else. <laughs> or if you do want that vibe, request it and I will do a little mini episode all about orcas. So <laughs> Let Side me know. depression episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So that's kind of what we've been up to. And this past weekend, I went to a wedding and I'm trying to think of like anything else that I really did. The wedding was fun. I bought the sweater that I'm wearing right now and it's really cozy and it's getting it's me cute. in a Christmas mood. It's like a, what is this called? Cable knit? Yeah. Cable knit red sweater. Zipper down. Zip. Wait. Zipper down? Zip. Zipper up? Does it zipper up or does it zipper down? Both. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't get it. Half zip. That's what people call it. Quarter zip? Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with me? (laughs) It's actually a fraction lesson. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually a one-eighth zip. (laughs) (laughs) I really... We're both wearing quarter zips, actually. I just realized. Oh, yeah. Is yours a quarter zip or a half zip? I would say mine's a three thirty-seconds zip. Oh, that's too much math for my brain. A little more than a one sixteenth. Shut up. <laughs> oh yeah, because two divided by thirty-six. Wait, you said thirty-six, right? Thirty-second. Anyway, also this is okay. Do you, I don't know if you guys remember from the beginning episodes when we would record late at night and it was a nightmare because we would be really sleepy. And I'm saying late at night, it's nine thirty, but like. <laughs> I also went out to dinner with one of my friends from work, and I had two glasses of wine, so. Oh, she's loopy. So I'm kind of sleepy. <laughs> Oof, wine knocks me out. I've totally stopped drinking yeah. wine altogether, though. It gives me heartburn because I'm ancient. Well, alcohol in general gives me heartburn, but I think because wine is really sugary, so that's probably why, right? I don't know. Wine and beer give me heartburn, but hard liquor doesn't. So I can mm. still have cocktails and be fine. That's which, interesting. I don't know. I mean, I just always, if I drink too much, I get heartburn because, again, we're 8,000 years old and I'm a little tired after two glasses of wine. So I remember growing up, mom used to be like, wine, I don't really drink wine because wine makes me sleepy. 
And I was like, what a weirdo. <laughs> and then here I am. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted from two glasses of wine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's crazy. All right. Should we get into what you might have missed this week? What you might have missed this week. Yes. Take it away, sis. Okay. So first off, some of the biggest news that we have, because this like is the precursor to a lot of things we're talking about, is that the SAG after strike ended on none other than your birthday, November 9th. Birthday. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you. Um, Natalie's birthday holds a very special place in my heart. One, because it's Natalie's birthday. Um, I feel like that's kind of obvious. But two, because when we were younger, SpongeBob did a random episode called Best Day Ever. And it was released on Natalie's birthday. And I remember we were so freaking excited because we were like, it's the best day ever on your birthday. And it was so exciting for us. I know. I used to love that. It was my favorite. I used to listen to that on my birthday. It's the best day ever. That actually just came out of the like crevice of my brain. Because when you said I used to listen to that, my brain in a nanosecond was like, the show? Oh, the song. This is the song. And it like <laughs> rolodexed it out of my brain files for me because I forgot that that was the song. Okay. Speaking of SpongeBob songs, do you remember the one we used to be obsessed with, the Campfire Song song? <gasps> Let's sit around the campfire and sing our campfire, campfire song. R-C-A-M-P-F-I-R-E-S-O-N-O-N-G song. song. And if you don't think that you can sing it faster, then it'll help if you just sing along. Okay, another SpongeBob song banger was the the best time to wear a striped sweater is all the time. You know what's funny, though? Because we – see, I have so many SpongeBob memories. And when Kean listens to this, he's going to be proven wrong because he is always <laughs> like, you were probably one of those kids that wasn't allowed to watch SpongeBob. And I was like, what do you mean I wasn't allowed no, to watch No, we just weren't allowed to watch Rugrats. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, because Angelica was sassy. We weren't allowed to listen or watch, or even I wasn't allowed to play with brat stalls because they were too sassy too. That later changed because I ended up getting a brat stall. But yeah, I feel like you used to be obsessed with brat stalls. But yeah, nothing that was too sassy. And look at where that brought us. We're sass meisters. We're Three. very sassy. <laughs> we're very sassy. Um, especially growing up, I was a sass meister. Oh yeah. <laughs> Natalie was more sassy in like the subtle way. I am. We always talk about this. How like you're very outright sassy. Like you would be sassy to mom and dad's face. But I would like pretend to be the good daughter and then like behind their back do nothing right. <laughs> exactly. Like if it was like, okay, go clean your room. I would be like, no, why do I need to clean my room? And then you would just be like, okay. And then you just wouldn't do it. You just would just go do, do whatever the fuck you wanted. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the SAG after strike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that ended on November 9th, which is why we're seeing so much coming out right now. Because finally, one, actors are able to, like, publicize their movies and stuff. 
and things that were on pause are being unpaused. So we're able to just like see a bunch of stuff that's coming out right now. So this was actually the longest strike in SAG after history, which is pretty crazy. Wow. And the writer's strike, which ended at the end of September, that was their second longest strike ever. So pretty like these are very historic strikes within Hollywood and affected I think I read it affected like over six billion dollars of the economy in Southern California or something like that holy shit yeah so pretty crazy but so that's just the biggest news and now we're gonna go into a bunch of like movie and tv news which some of it happened last week but since we missed last week and this is a what you might have missed this week or last week too because we missed last week you guys get the idea yeah so we're starting off with kind of my bit of favorite news for this, but Natalie also sent me this, so this is more for <laughs> you guys, that the teaser trailer for Inside Out 2 was released last Friday. Ah, it was so good. It was so cute. And everybody needs to go watch it if you haven't seen it yet. But the movie is set to come out June 14th, 2024, and we are going to be seeing some new emotions which is very exciting because right now there's joy, anger, sadness, fear, and disgust. And so the new one that we saw was Anxiety. We saw her in the trailer who will be played by Maya Hawk, which I honestly think is like a perfect voice for that. Like hearing her voice. I love that. <laughs> in the trailer, I was like, that was good. Like that was perfect. <laughs> so I think that's really exciting. And also some news about it. Bill Hader as Fear and Mindy Kaling as Disgust will not be returning. Ugh, that makes me so sad. I know. I actually didn't even realize that when I watched the trailer. I didn't even realize it wasn't their voices until I saw this when I was looking it up just to like see when the release date and stuff was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't even realize that it wasn't them. And so I rewatched it and I was like, oh, I kind of like I do hear it like now huh. that I'm looking for it. But I think it was over salary negotiations and replaced by Tony Hale, which you guys would recognize from Arrested Development, if anybody's seen that. But oh, then he, yes. Yeah. And he was also Forky or Sporky or something yeah. in Toy Story 4. Mm -hmm. So I love Tony Hale. I think he's so funny. And I, I think he will be a good fear for this. And then Liza Lapira, who I recognized her when I looked it up. So let me... Let me see what else she's been in. Oh, she was in Crazy Stupid Love 21. She's been in a lot of stuff, but and you would recognize her, but I'm not sure if you would like be able to like recognize her specifically from a movie. But very excited. I think it's going to be really good. So I can't wait for that to come out. And also just side note from this, something I saw on TikTok that was interesting was talking about like when – Disney releases these kinds of things like you saw how it was just like the teaser trailer it wasn't the full trailer basically somebody who like used to work at Disney was like that's all they have like when they release teaser trailers that's everything they've created for the movie so far Wow! <laughs> like they will be fin like the rest of it will be done by June or like whenever they release it unless they push it back or something. Who knows if that's like actually accurate, but I saw a lot of comments and a lot of people being like, yeah, like that's how it works because also they push the animators to like do it so quickly. I don't know if you've, if you're going to talk about this, 
But another teaser trailer that came out after the strike ended was the Garfield movie teaser trailer. (gasps) Okay, I wasn't going to talk about that, but I did see it, so we can just talk about it. Okay, so in the Garfield movie, the new one that's coming out, Chris Pratt is Garfield. And everyone is basically shitting on this Mm -hmm. preview because Chris Pratt is doing classic Chris Pratt. I'm like struggling with his name for some reason right now. And he's just using his talking voice. So it's like people are like, this is terrible voice acting. But what a lot of people are saying too is that his voice acting was the same way for the Mario movie where in the preview like sneak peek trailer, Mm -hmm. his voice just sounded like him. But then he developed his voice better for the actual movie And so people are like, maybe hold on and wait and see what, like, once they have the movie farther along. Like, maybe he just came in, did this one soundbite. Yeah. And that was it. Because I will say, I was taken aback for sure, like everybody was. I was like, Chris Pratt's going to be Mario. Like, that doesn't sound Mm -hmm. right. But then when I watched the Mario movie, I was like, okay, wait. Like, that that wasn't bad. Like, I actually enjoyed that. And, like, his voice acting was fine. But definitely listening to him in this, especially seeing that, like, past Garfield cartoons and stuff his voice is just so much lower and so much more monotone his voice like does not match no the typical Garfield voice exactly and also just about the teaser trailer in general for people who haven't seen it yet this happens in the first five seconds of it why am I gonna freaking cry about baby Garfield (laughs) like literally I was like you're gonna make me sob in the first five seconds of this trailer I was, like, in love with the movie until I heard Chris Pratt's voice. And then I was like, oh. But literally the beginning of the trailer, I was like, what? What? Yeah, literally that's how I felt watching it. Um, Especially yeah. having a little orange boy who lived on the streets. That was probably Finn. That was probably how he yeah. lived. In a little cardboard box with a little shoe Until he discovered you exactly with a little um what do you call it like a little hacky sack thing that's a little (laughs) knapsack over his shoulder waiting for me to come along that's exactly what happened yeah oh yeah the trailer like definitely pulled up my heartstrings and then i heard the chris pratt's voice and i was like "Eh, okay yeah i hope he develops it more i guess we'll have to see about that so Next up, the movie The Marvels came out this past Friday, and it's not doing too well. So, yeah. So, it's the latest movie in the Marvel Universe, which also, like, nobody really knew that much about it, to be honest, because, I mean, everything that's going on. And it brought in an estimated $47 million domestically over its debut weekend, which Ooh. is, like, the lowest of all the Marvel movies, I think it said. So initial prediction saw the film opening at 75 million and 80 million domestically, but those figures then shrunk to a range of 60 million to 65 million ahead of Friday's openings, and it didn't even meet like the lower expectations. Yikes. So, but also I'm not sure if this is a reflection of the movie itself. Because one, critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 62%, so that's like average. But then audiences gave it an 85%. So, I mean, people liked it. People that saw it liked it. A couple of my friends went to see it, and I've heard that it's great. Like, I've heard Mm -hmm. some of them say that this is like the best Marvel movie in a while. But I think that one, the like nerd boys on the internet hate 
the Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel and whatnot. Yeah. And so they're obviously not going to go see it. Plus, I feel like people just don't care about Marvel stuff anymore. It's gotten so convoluted. And it's just like after Endgame, I think it's just like it it just doesn't work anymore. They just tr- yeah. they pushed way too much for people to keep up with because it's like mm-hmm. people like even like me and you, I remember we were like very into watching like Wanda in the beginning and Loki in the oh, beginning. Oh, we were so excited for all of this so stuff. So excited for all of it. And then we just like, I remember keeping up with it and being like, okay, I got to watch this, this and this. And then it just like fell off for me because I was like, it's just too much and it's just not great anymore. Like Loki, yeah. I think Loki and Wanda were really good, but everything else I was like, just not good. Shang-Chi. I really like Shang-Chi and um, like the other, oh, the other one that I really liked was, um, I'm totally blanking on it. The Eternals. I like the Eternals. I, oh, yeah. I think that's a controversial opinion, mm-hmm. but I think The Eternals, if you take it like out of context of the Marvel Universe, is a really good superhero movie. Yeah, I could see that. I actually haven't watched The Eternals in so long. That makes me kind of want to watch it. Maybe I'll watch that tomorrow. It was really good. I, I like really liked it. I think we saw it together, right? We did because you watched it and then you were like, I really liked that. We were visiting you for Thanksgiving. And so mm. we just watched it. We were like, oh, yeah, we should go watch that. Yeah. I really like that one too, but I agree that like since then Marvel stuff has been pretty mid and just like I'm not very excited for it anymore. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just it just doesn't hit the same anymore. Although I really liked the Miss Marvel show. I didn't even know there was a show. <laughs> I literally had no idea there was a Miss Marvel show. Yeah, it's like pretty good. It's pretty fun. I don't know. It's Marvel Universe has been disappointing me. Yeah. Okay. So then just some random social media posting updates, which these aren't like anything officials, but like kind of one thing's official. But anyway, so Jamie Lee Curtis teased a possible Freaky Friday sequel in an Instagram post with Lindsay Lohan. She said in the caption, well, it's Friday and the strike is over. So hopefully we can switch places again soon in the near future. And she tagged Disney and it was a picture with Lindsay Lohan. So that would be pretty cool but also i don't know if that's her actually teasing it or if it's her just being like putting it into the universe you know i feel like it is a teaser and i'm very i'm really really happy about Lindsay lohan being back to acting yeah i love that it makes me so happy yeah so then in stranger things news which is like it's about damn time honestly yes so the official Instagram posted the opening lines, or I guess not really lines, but just like scene setting. I don't know what those are called in scripts, but from season five, chapter one, scene one, and it said, darkness, the sound of cold wind, groaning trees, and a child's voice singing a familiar song. Uh, uh, okay, so what do you think this song is? Um, I don't know. <laughs> should you stay or should I go? Oh, you think so? But yeah, it's got to be, should I stay or should I go? Oh. I feel like it's going to be Will singing along or something. Okay, that I don't know. Cool. I was thinking maybe it would be running up that hill. Oh, um, I don't think so. But that is, I love that song. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably more so your idea. So we'll go with that. That's our official prediction. That's my guess. But yes, I can't wait. Stranger Things season five. Ah! Even though I think I saw something saying... They said it's not coming out until like 2025 or 26. So it's like, 
geez, Minis, those kids are going to be 25 years old. Like, literally. Yeah. Because um, if the fact that they're just doing, like, scripts right now. Oh, oh Lord. God. Oh, Lord. It um, better be so good if they're going to make us wait that long. <laughs> like, literally, how long has it – when did it first come out? Like, 2017 – no, earlier, I think. When did it first come out? I don't even remember. <laughs> 2018? Earlier. 2016. <laughs> it's already been – Seven years. For not even five seasons. And they're all like five episodes. Like it's literally barely anything. Netflix, come on. Get it together. Anyway. Netflix cannot get it together. No. No. So the next little social media update is that Ashley Tisdale, this literally just happened because Natalie just sent it to me before recording this. She posted a TikTok of her in a sound booth saying, Mom, Phineas and Ferb are making another season. I think I did that pretty well. Yes, you did. You actually nailed that. Thanks. But yeah, so that's really exciting because there's going to be a new Phineas and Ferb season. And I used to love that show when I was younger. So that's really exciting. We loved it. Yeah. We would watch that all the time. Okay. Okay. Moving ahead right along because I think we're running out of time. So sorry, guys. We have to talk about Taylor Swift updates because we have to talk about – we just have to. And – Honestly, this is kind of a Taylor Swift themed episode. So, oops, sorry. Okay, anyway. So, she started the international leg of the Eras tour back up this weekend in Argentina. And what we're all talking about, what anybody who's anybody is talking about, is that during her Saturday performance, she changed the lyrics in Karma from Karma is the guy on the screen to Karma is the guy on the Chiefs. Oh my god. Literally sitting there kicking my feet, squealing like a little girl. Oh my god, I didn't even say the best part. It's karma is the guy on the Chiefs coming straight home to me, freaking out, screaming, screaming, crying, throwing up, shitting my pants, all of the above. That was my reaction exactly. (laughs) But what I think the best part was like seeing everybody's reactions, like her dance. I feel like it was such a not on the fly decision, but I feel like it was like a not scripted decision. I think it was her thinking she was like, I'm going to do it. And then she like did it and everyone was like, what the, like, I yeah, think she probably her didn't tell it were so cute reacting. Like the crowd obviously went crazy. Travis Kelsey was blushing like a little girl. Oh, and, and then his dad or her dad was like trying to high five him. It was so yes. cute. It was so cute. So then, um, yeah, that's what I was going to say, that it obviously prompted a major reaction from the crowd. And then also he was in a VIP tent with um, Taylor Swift's dad. And they it was so cute seeing their reaction. Like he had no idea that it was happening. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing. And then the cherry on top of it all is that after the show, there was a video of her running into his arms and kissing him, which is the first time that so we've seen cute. like anything like that. And it was so freaking cute. So basically, at the end of the day, they're getting married. Maybe. I think it might happen. Okay. That's all we're going to talk about Taylor Swift, except for the whole thing that we're talking about Taylor Swift today. Because... Well, wait. One more thing about this thing is... Did you see that someone had a theory on TikTok? Because Travis Kelsey apparently really loves making bets. Mm-hmm. And so people are thinking that he had a bet with Taylor Swift that she would do that. 
And oh, really? Or that she wouldn't do that. And that's what they were saying. His reaction was him realizing that he lost a bet because she did do it. And then they're saying that they think that the bet that he would have made is that if he lost, he would have to do one of her dances as a as his touchdown dance. <laughs> and so people are like, if you watch the Chiefs game, watch to see if he does like the uh, what the bejeweled dance as like his touchdown yeah. dance because they're like, I bet that would be like his end of the bet. I'm also screaming because the way that this is just fan fiction, like that was somebody's fan <laughs> it fiction. It literally is. Like the way that they were like, this is oh i bet it's a bet like the where did you get that in like that is fan fiction <laughs> apparently apparently it's like a thing that he talks about a lot that he likes to make bets with like people on his team and stuff but it's just and like where i know like, the, the extent of when you were saying this i like the whole time i was just like I can see your eyes like turning around like what is she saying because also like that's not even a theory that is literally fan fiction that is parasocial relationships I'm saying this as I'm literally like they're getting married I love them but also like come come on people saying like I think that's really funny though we'll see we'll see we'll see maybe you prove me wrong time will tell I have literally been a clown on every single episode of this podcast I and I'll to continue to be a clown. I hate to say it, but every single time you're like, so I think we're getting double album reputation, rock album, 1989. <sighs> no, double things. album, 1989. I was... <sighs> see, I and see the whole time, I, unless actually I might be fact-checked here, but like I feel like I bring us back down to earth on these theories. Listeners, let us know. Let us know if I just like to think that I'm not crazy. <laughs> I guess I'm just on like the side of TikTok that's like Taylor Swift fanfic because that was literally that's what, Taylor like, Swift. Fan I've seen fiction. like like ten videos about that exact theory. <laughs> Craziness. Okay. Anyway, let's move on to some new books this week and last week. AKA all of these were last week, so just ignore this week. So the biggest one that I was really excited for was Iron Flame which is the sequel to Fourth Wing. And if you haven't read Fourth Wing, what the fuck are you doing? Go read it right now. Drop everything that you're doing. Literally, Natalie, drop it right Me now. Hanging up from this podcast. <laughs> Hang up and go read Fourth Wing. But actually, it's really good. And <laughs> so this is the sequel. Even though it's crazy because the first book came out in like April or something. Like it came out this year. So it's pretty And crazy. that's like a big book. And the yeah. sequel is a big book. So She's a big book. Those are big books. <laughs> but yeah. Um so I'm really excited about it. I haven't started reading it because I'm still working on my other sequel from another oh, book that Atlanta. I read this year. And then um, we also need to reminder. Read- I know. I was going to say it. I was <laughs> Your face. I wish you would. Plus reminder. <laughs> yes. For everybody listening to this, go start reading Starling House for our next book club book. And that's going to be the next book I'm reading. I'm holding off on Iron Flame because I was like, I need to read this. And I'm really excited about Starling House. So I'm, I am yeah, really excited too. about it. Okay. So next one is called Bookshops and Bone Dust. So this is actually a prequel to Legend and Lattes, which um, I think it's what, like a medieval kind of fantasy about like a- It's kind of like loosely based on Dungeons and Dragons, but Dungeons and Dragons is trademarked. So it's like you can't use the exact terms and stuff. Gotcha. So this one says- 
you go on a journey of high fantasy, first loves, and secondhand books. So it sounds like the first one was obviously about a coffee shop, and this one's about maybe a secondhand bookstore. So sounds cute. Sounds like a cute little breather fantasy, you know? Yeah, a little cozy read. And if it's like the same length as um, Legends and Lattes, it's like a pretty short read too. Gotcha. And so then the last one, because really not that many books came out this week and last week. Sorry, book people. Anyway, is My Name is Barbara, which is the Barbara Streisand memoir, which is like mm-hmm. long awaited. She is superstar of stage, screen, recordings, and television. And it was released on November 7th. And Vanity Fair described it as 992 pages of startling honesty and self-reflection, deadpan para parenthetical asides, including a running bit about how much she loves going to the dentist, encyclopedic recall of onstage outfits, and rigorous analyses of her films, many of which she rewatched for the first time in decades. So it sounds like very in-depth. And from all of the reviews that I read, everyone was like, this is like so vulnerable and so honest and just like a incredible memoir and I'm pretty sure it's her first memoir I couldn't see any other memoirs that she's written so pretty cool and she's also 81 I did not realize wow, how old I didn't she realize was. how old she was I don't know why in my head she's forever the age of like everybody's gonna hate me like real Barbara Streisand fans are gonna hate me but she's forever like the meet the Fockers age like 60 yeah like she's like that to me yeah I could see that yeah Okay, anyway, very long, but that was what you might have missed this week and last week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my topic this week is Rebecca Harkness, which like we talked about earlier is kind of a little bit Taylor Swift adjacent, but I'm really not going to talk about Taylor Swift at all during this. So Rebecca Harkness, the reason why she's Taylor Swift adjacent is because she is the subject of the song The Last Great American Dynasty by Taylor Swift. And in that song, Taylor Swift said about her, she had a marvelous time ruining everything. And then Craig Unger, who was the author of her autobiography, said that she led a life littered with high gothic tragedy. So I think that that is kind of the perfect intro to who she is, is that she had a marvelous time ruining everything and her life was littered with high gothic tragedy. So let's start with her childhood. So she was born on April 17th, 1915 as Rebecca West. She was born in St. Louis to a wealthy stockbroker named Alan Tarwater West, and her mother's name was also Rebecca, so Rebecca West. And her grandfather was the founder of the St. Louis Union Trust Company, so she grew up very comfortably and wealthy. So her father, Alan West, also was a co-founder of the G.H. Walker & Co. Company with uh, George Herbert Walker, who was the grandfather and great-grandfather of the two bush presidents oh wow so also for some reason in the song like it made me think that she was like okay rebecca grew up on the rhode island set does that mean she's rich because i don't know why in my head i pictured she was like kind of like lower class at the time and that she wasn't like because they were like oh she like ruined everything like who's this bitch coming in you know so she She grew up what they called comfortable, but not wealthy. And I think that's kind of where it's like the old money, new money thing. Oh, gotcha. That's also such a rich person thing to say. Be like, we're comfortable. Like, shut the fuck up, you know? So it's like, I think she was rich enough to, like I'm about to talk about, 
she went she was raised by nannies and she went to like private schools but then when she got married she kind of got married into i think older money and more wealth okay that makes sense yeah so like i just said she was raised mostly by childhood nannies and her nanny was specifically chosen for her because she had previous experience working in mental asylums and so her I think that kind of sets the stage of what kind of childhood she had. Okay. And it was said that her parents were very critical of her, especially calling her pudgy, which led her to take up skating and dance and that she was very rigorous at especially dance to try to stay in shape Mm. as kind of like a means of not being pudgy and like taking that criticism from her parents. Which I think also kind of sets the stage of what her life was like. So she also attended finishing school at the Fermata School for Girls in Aiken, South Carolina. And in her scrapbook, she said that she set out to do everything bad. <laughs> and some examples of this were at her sister's debutante ball, she put mineral oil in the punch. And what? she Yeah, and she performed a striptease at a dinner party, like a fancy dinner party. What? Wait, would mineral oil make everybody, like, poop their pants or something? I think it would make people very sick, yeah. Like, (laughs) that's diabolical. That's, that's, like, evil. Yeah, I think she was kind of a wild child. (laughs) And she was part of this group of girls who called themselves the Bitch Pact. Oh, see? That's in the song. Yep. And her family would summer in Watch Hill, Rhode Island, which is where she eventually met her husband and got the name Harkness from. So that kind of like sets up what her beginning of her life was like. Okay. So then going into her adulthood, her first husband was a photographer, Dixon Pierce, who she married just because she, quote, had nothing else to do. (laughs) And they had a son together named Alan and a daughter together named Terry. And then they eventually divorced in 1946. So it was like a fairly short marriage. And then really quickly after that, in 1947, she married her husband, who was the Standard Oil heir, William Hale Harkness. Standard Oil heir to the no, 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 forever, you know. So Caroline's going to be the one who gives us the Taylor Swift context of everything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because you just started liking that song. You just started liking all of that. Their wedding took place at his apartment, which was 730 Park Avenue. And this marriage kind of catapulted her into the socialite circle. And like I said, this is what made her very wealthy, even though her family was comfortable. Comfortable. (laughs) So in December of 1956, she appeared in Vogue magazine, donning a black chiffon man brocher dress. Mean brocher? Mean brocher? I don't know. know what that is. I'm not fancy enough to know designers. We are not comfortable, obviously. No. (laughs) We're uncomfortable. I'm actually extremely uncomfortable in most situations, so. Financially speaking, I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. We're very privileged to have whatever we have, but it's not not the best situation. We're not rich by any means. I mean, this podcast did buy you a house, so. Yeah, my big podcast money. (laughs) Maybe someday. (laughs) If we keep talking about it, that's like manifesting, right? (laughs) That is. That is manifesting. So she was donning a black chiffon main botcher dress with a white silk back tied apron. She flashed a wary smile at the camera and the caption read, a young woman with surprising range of interests. Mrs. Harkness, a sculptor, a musician, a professional standing, a skier. 
She'll soon be off to her chalet in Gustad with her three children for a holiday and an active supporter of many charities. So that is what her married life began to be. Okay. The two of them purchased a mansion together in Watch Hill, Rhode Island, which they famously nicknamed Holiday House. That's also in the Taylor Swift song. Sorry, literally, <laughs> Natalie said she wasn't going to be mentioning it, but I'm mentioning Taylor Swift for her. <laughs> Just jot that down. <laughs> I lost something once. <laughs> and this estate was where they threw some big Gatsby-esque parties. Harkness was once cited as filling her pool with Dom Perignon. That's crazy. It was even said that she dressed as a waitress for one of her parties just so that she could eavesdrop on guests. <gasps> Wait, iconic? She's like kind of evil. An icon, but also like a little. Like she's kind her of. Her life is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of like evil villainy. Not evil villainy, but like, you know, she's giving like, I don't know the word, but you know what I mean. I feel like she's someone who. I wouldn't want to be best friends with, but I would love to run in the same social circles as her just because it would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so together, her and William had one daughter, Edith, and the Harknesses were married for just seven years before William died of a heart attack in 1954, making her a widow at the age of 39. Whoa. But he left her about $75 million, which in today's money is about $720 million. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. That girl was comfortable. No, she was wealthy. (laughs) (laughs) And this was said to be, so she got married three to four times. Like the reports were weird. But this was said to be her only happy marriage. And the evidence of that was that the two wrote a song together called Giggling With My Feet. Wait, that's cute. (laughs) So after her husband passed away, Rebecca really leaned into her passion of ballet. Since I talked about how she had done dance since she was a kid. So she poured a ton of money into Holiday House, installing eight kitchens and 21 bathrooms. Whoa. And she used it to host ballet workshops for 20 dancers from the Robert Joffrey Company, which is now known as Joffrey Ballet, in 1965. So she financed tours to the Middle East, Europe, and Soviet Union, which brought up the attention of the State Department oh, yeah. of what the heck are you doing. And her involvement with this ballet company, the New York Times described the endeavor as grand, if occasionally Marie Antoinette-ish style, generous, wasteful, willful, demanding, and delusional. Oh, but wow. her patronage of the Joffrey Ballet brought the company international fame, and she also helped discover and train many acclaimed dancers, regardless of their race, background, or body shape, which is pretty cool of her. That is pretty awesome. So in 1964, she even started her own ballet company and called it Harkness Ballet, which had a roster of about 40 dancers. And she bought an old firehouse in Westerly that she transformed into this ballet studio. In 1964, she also purchased a former movie house that was the Colonial Theater at 1887 Broadway near Lincoln Center with the dream of creating a state-of-the-art art theater which constructed specifically for the needs of dance. Mm -hmm. So she purchased it in 1964, but the construction actually began in 1972 and it opened in April of 1974. So the stage was specifically designed for resiliency with a double layer of basket weave wooden floor set on top of rubber springs and featured deep wing space on both sides and a high proscenium arc, which you can see in the Mm -hmm. photo. It's very beautiful and very grand. It's really pretty. And even she put a lot of thought into the rehearsal slash warm-up room because its dimensions were the exact same size as the stage, 
which when enabled full warmups and a full rehearsal before the actual performance. She also had 16 dressing rooms that were at stage level or only one level above so that the dancers wouldn't have to travel super far to get to the stage from these dressing rooms. And the theater was very ornately decorated in European style. However, there was a bad economy because all of this was taking place during the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't. This is the 70s. (laughs) 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 Sorry, one of the reviews of... Her autobiography talked about how she had this, like, outrageous lifestyle during the Great Depression. And then I'm like, wait, but this theater was during the 70s. I just love... No, it wasn't. It was in the 70s. (laughs) No, you didn't even say it was in the 70s. You said, no, it wasn't. This is the 70s. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. However, there was a bad economy and the theater only had very modest seating capacity. So it really had a hard time being profitable. And so it closed in 1975, which reminder, that's only one year later. And the building was totally torn down in 1977. Oh my God. Yeah. So it just doesn't exist at all anymore, which is really sad because it's a gorgeous theater. Yeah. Wait, that's so sad. (laughs) Yeah. So in 1965, she developed the Harkness House for Ballet Arts, which was located at 4 East 75th Street in Manhattan, which is the rehearsal and training center for her Harkness Ballet group. And she poured a ton of money into the Harkness House, transforming it into a dance studio that mimics the grandeur of European ballet schools, outfitting it with marble staircases, silk shades, and a crystal chandelier. The building was totally renovated to meet the needs of young artists. It had five studios, ample dressing rooms, a library with music, a listening room, an audiovisual facility, a canteen, offices, and a resident doctor and masseur. Oh my god. And so the dancers who stayed at Harkness House called it like absolutely heaven. It was like the best place that yeah, they I could. Yeah, I would say you can't say she wasn't thorough. Like she fully decked that like both of these things out. Yeah, and you can really tell that this was like her passion because she put so much work into yeah. it. And so she had said, I hope the beauty of Harkness House will persuade some of these people that the ballet need not be dingy and that by their patronage they are contributing to this splendid and glamorous. And eventually she had a lot of disagreements with the Joffrey Ballet and the artistic direction of it. And so that led to her disbanding from them in Mm -hmm. 1970. And she was accused of raiding the company because 14 of the Joffrey dancers remained under contract with her and the Harkness Ballet instead. And it is estimated that she had spent around the equivalent in 2020 dollars of $86 million on her partnership with the Joffrey Ballet. Oh, my God. That's insane. Yeah. So according to the book titled An American Ballet Story, the dancers, choreographers, composers, and designers were all pioneers and experimenters. Themes of sexual representation, homoerotic love, tribalism, and even the aftermath of rape were all explored by some of the most famous choreographers of the time. All of the work and much of the music was original. So it was really a ballet that was pushing kind of social limits. And Mm -hmm. although her ballet endeavors were kind of seen as a failure they produced a lot of ballerinas choreographers you know a lot of dance professionals that went on to have really big careers and be very famous did you say in the beginning she was a ballet dancer too and which this is why it was like her passion project or it was just like she just loved ballet 
she was a dancer too oh, okay. because remember her parents called her pudgy and so she like oh, threw herself into right. dance as kind of like a coping mechanism and like that was her chosen form of exercise and so that's kind of where ballet and then i think that her love of dance combined with kind of her social level led her to ballet as her passion gotcha yeah so unfortunately rebecca really struggled with drugs and alcohol and she developed an an addiction to injecting vitamin b painkillers and testosterone oh my god and guests of her parties would find needles in her bathroom and they would say that her bathrooms were splattered with blood (gasps) from her doing these injections holy shit yeah, and people said later in life her voice had really grown husky and her muscles had started to calcify from drug use. And people said that she started to walk like Frankenstein. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Also, yeah. what does, like, vitamin B inject – like, how can you be addicted to vitamin B? I have no idea. I don't idea. know. I guess you can get addicted to anything. But, like, that's crazy. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, vitamin B and testosterone. Yeah. I'm like – What a weird addiction. My strange addiction. She would have been featured on that show. So in 1971, she began dating Bobby Skeevers, who was a doctor and also 25 years younger than her. Whoa. And in an article about her death, the New York Times described him as a self-declared homosexual. Oh, okay. But that was also her lover at the time of her death. So who knows what was going on? Yeah, you don't know. She could have been his beard or something. I don't know. Maybe. Or just Maybe they were just partners. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they were just companions or something. I don't know. Or he wasn't gay and he just wasn't super masculine or something. Yeah. Who knows? So Harkness had died of cancer in 1982 in New York City. She was 67 years old. And in her will, she had demanded that her ashes be put in a $250,000 jeweled Salvador Dali urn. Uh (laughs) But the only problem was that the urn was way too small. One of her friends said, just a leg in there, or maybe half of her head, and an arm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, and at one point, her urn, like, the lid had come off somehow, and her friend said, oh, there she goes. (laughs) That is so us, literally. If I had an urn of you, and it just, like, fell over, I'd be like, just sweep her under the fridge it uh, it's fine like there she goes <laughs> the new york times coverage of her funeral sounded so chaotic <laughs> like just bonkers just yeah like apparently i think one of her kids was like trying to fight the will and i'm gonna go into this later but one of her kids couldn't make it because he was in jail and it's oh, just wow. everyone was fighting <laughs> it and after like, the formal part was over. Apparently, her friends just started basically, like, ransacking her house that it was held in. What? Just, like, grabbing stuff and taking it. Holy shit. So, it sounded really crazy. But, yeah. So, reportedly, the rest of her remains that couldn't fit in the Salvador Dali urn were placed in a Gristides bag. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Me either. So, let's look it up. <laughs> let's discover together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's just a supermarket bag. Uh, what? <laughs> just a plastic supermarket bag. So <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about her legacy. So on the good side, she had contributed $2 million to build the William Hale Harkness Medical Research Building at New York Hospital. And she supported Dr. Irving S. Cooper's research on Parkinson's, on Parkinson's disease and the Institute of Rehabilitation Medicine of New York Medical Center. So she made big contributions in medicine. 
She also had the Harkness Foundation for Dance, which still exists to this day. And the website says the Harkness Foundation for Dance is a private grant making foundation dedicated to invigorating and supporting the dance art form predominantly in New York City. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't even know that was still a thing. Yeah. So her legacy lives on by supporting dance, but also medicine. But on the not so good side, so the amount of time, money, and effort that she put into ballet really distanced her from her three children, which all kind of went on to have their own tragedies. So her son, Alan Pierce, was convicted of murder. In November 1977, he shot a man during a brawl in Miami. And he received a prison sentence for 15 years, and he didn't even bother to tell his mom about it or get in touch with her. He later had said that his time in prison was the happiest time of his life. Oh, okay. Her daughter, Terry, gave birth to a child who died at only the age of 10. That's sad. So I think that's her only grandchild died at the age of 10. Mm. And Harkness's other daughter, Edith, died of suicide after many failed attempts. Edith had tried to commit suicide starting at the age of 15 by flinging herself out of a high rise. And an awning had actually saved her life. And Edith spent her life in and out of different mental facilities. And she finally successfully committed suicide in 1982. Was that a year after Rebecca died? Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. But when Rebecca was asked to comment on her daughter's suicide attempts, she said, how should she do it? Is there a chic way to go? Uh, So she really... Did not care about her children at all. No, very out of touch. (laughs) And just some, like, crazy facts about her or, like, rumors, I guess, that are part of her legacy, too, is that she allegedly was once kicked off a cruise ship for swimming nude in the cruise pool. (laughs) She lost card games and bets with Salvador Dali. (gasps) That's also a Taylor Swift lyric. Playing (laughs) on card bets with Dali. Uh, This is also a Taylor Swift lyric. She stole her neighbor's cat slash dog. The story is, like, mm-hmm. unclear. And dyed it keem lime green. Yep. Also a line. Yep. Uh, I think it was over... I think they had gotten mad at her for sound. It was like her neighbor had gotten mad at her for, like, how loud her parties were. And yeah. so she stole their cat. I think the line says, in a feud with the neighbor, she stole his dog and dyed it key lime green. Mm-hmm. But apparently in real life, it was her ca- the neighbor's cat. I don't know. Stories vary. Yeah. So she also moved hundreds of thousands of dollars from one bank to another at random just for her pure enjoyment of seeing the confusion of her accountants. Oh, okay. She believed in reincarnation and she filled fish tanks with goldfish and scotch. That can't be good for the goldfish. No. And after her death, the Holiday House property was divided into three lots and the gargantuan house was partially demolished and then sold to a family that remodeled it and renamed it High Watch. And that is the house that Taylor Swift eventually bought in Rhode Island. She bought Holiday House. And then it was bought by me. I have to say, my brain chemistry really changed when I first heard that lyric change in the song when she revealed that the house that she was talking about, she bought and it's her Rhode Island house something inside of me changed in that (laughs) moment because I literally was like what but I was like surprised to hear in this that the house was partially demolished so apparently it used to be way bigger that's crazy that just and that the lot was subdivided that just shows how ginormous it was yeah and so if you want any more information about Rebecca Harkness there is basically one source 
And it is a book called Blue Blood that was written by a former New York Times Magazine editor and Vanity Fair contributor Craig Unger. And he basically didn't interpret the story at all. He just took firsthand accounts and wrote them down. Oh, wow. So there's no, like, narrative about it. Yeah. And it is listed on Amazon for a cool $999 right now if you want it. Because it went out of... It went out of print almost immediately because basically Rebecca Harkness, like no one really cared about her except for this dance foundation up until the Taylor Swift song. (laughs) Yeah, that does make sense. And if you do want to learn more about it, just listen to Last Great American Dynasty by Taylor Swift. And then I'm going to end on a quote from her. It's not the obituary, but it was like the article that was written by the New York Times after her funeral Mm -hmm. in 1988. And they said, it would be interesting to see what a social historian, someone familiar with the hierarchies of caste and class in America, or better yet, a novelist with a theological bent, would make of the raw material. It might also have been interesting to see how a feminist writer would have assimilated the facts of Rebecca Harkness's sorry life. Wow. So I think that's kind of interesting that the author of this article was interested in seeing how someone could like frame her story. Yeah, and see differently. Like, yeah, how her life was from a different perspective. Yeah. Which Taylor Swift did. Yeah, she did. And she made an iconic song about it. Yep. Very Which got everybody interested in Rebecca Harkness's real story. Mm-hmm. And she kind of nailed some of the details. I mean, she left out like a lot of the grim stuff, but No, that's what I was thinking. And I mean, she did say, How did a middle class divorcee do it? This girl was not a middle class divorcee. I mean, she, she started off that day. way, but well, that's what then they she said. ended up stupid rich. <laughs> well, that's what because they said, "How did a middle class divorcee do it?" Like marry the guy. Yeah. Well, very interesting. I liked that. She was very beautiful. Yeah, she those pictures of her beautiful. Mm-hmm. And she sounded like she would be a riot to hang out with. <laughs> a riot. Yeah, she seems like a fun gal, or at least like she could throw a good party. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, that's Rebecca Harkness. Nice. Shall we go into our top threes? Let's do it. Okay. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I can start. So I don't know why all of a sudden my TikTok thinks that I live in England, but I've been getting a ton of British real estate TikToks. Specifically, let me look it up. From one realtor who she always goes, I'll give you the TikTok tour, but in a real British accent and not my terrible version of a British (laughs) accent. It's not even in like London. It's in, like, some random town that probably, if we have any British listeners, will probably absolutely roast me for calling it a random town. (laughs) But it seems random to me. (laughs) Because even the British people in the comments are like, why would anyone want to live here? That's why the houses are cheap. (gasps) Really? (laughs) Yeah. But for some reason, me, a random American, ended up on this side of TikTok. And these videos don't even have, like, a ton of likes. They have, like, 2,000 likes. But I get them. (laughs) So it's Fardell Abel is the uh, real estate agency, and I get all of their videos, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. I love watching all the different tours of the British real estate market, and it's really interesting to also like learn the difference between like American real estate and British real estate. Like yeah. they have what's called freeholds and leaseholds, and freeholds means you own the land. Leaseholds means that the land you're leasing it from someone. But it's usually a 999 year lease and you lease it for $1 a year. Uh, and so you basically own the land. But like, but like technically not. Yeah. But like technically the landowner, I guess, can like take it back whenever. I don't know. It's very weird. That's crazy. <laughs> That's kind of spooky. Yeah. 
But I'm learning things like that. Very interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of been my fun thing on TikTok lately. So what's your number one? (laughs) So my number one is that I have a new emotional support sippy cup slash water bottle. And I'm obsessed with it. I've been drinking it. For ASMR. ASMR. My ice that (laughs) I put in. That's ice that I put in it at like, I think like six maybe. Is when I put ice in Ooh. it. Yeah. And it's already 6.15. Bitch. <laughs> it took me a second. I was like, wait, what is she talking about? Um, No. Because they don't know what time it is. It's 10.45 at night, everybody. Don't edit that out in post. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because earlier in the episode, I think we said that we were starting recording. We were like, it's only 9.30. <laughs> yeah. So now you guys know how long our episodes are. Yeah. Um. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then watch this end up being like a 50-minute episode. They're going to be like, oops. <laughs> What were you guys talking about? Anyway. Sometimes we edit out a lot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I just got it. I actually put it on pre-order. I first ordered it like beginning of October because I saw it everywhere on TikTok. It's called the Brewmate Era Cup, which also like Era's tour. Obviously, I had to get it. But oh my God, Taylor Swift episode. Literally. But it's basically the better version of a Stanley Cup because it has it carries the same amount as a Stanley Cup. It has the best feature of it is the leak-proof straw because you can just like turn a little switch on the top of it and then fully flip it over with it's the straws in it and it'll be 100% leak-proof. Like I've tested it. You reminded me of like a Dairy Queen worker flipping oh. the <laughs> flipping the blizzard over no, when you showed me earlier. That was literally you were me. like, watch this. And you flipped. <laughs> <laughs> no, I literally FaceTime Natalie just to be able to show her me flipping my water bottle and no water coming out. And I think I was like in the middle of doing dishes or something. So I was like, can I go? No, you literally were making dinner and you were like, cool. Is that it? (laughs) And I was like, I was really excited. (laughs) No, it is really cool. And now I'm like, you're such an influencer to me because now I'm like, maybe I should get one. That's my only (laughs) response. (laughs) It is really pretty too. Isn't it? Because it's also just so sleek and nice. I love it. Did you hear that? Yeah. Sucking <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> Sucking ASMR. Ew. <laughs> I hate ASMR too, and I hate that I just did it. Oh, you're such an ASMR girl. The ASMR life chose you. You no. didn't choose it. I hate it. Okay. On to your next one. Um, so my number two is that I part of the reason why Caroline and I haven't been FaceTiming is because I've been working on redoing my closet. She's been a major home improvement girly. I have. So that's kind of my thing is that I've just been redoing my closet and I can't wait for it to be done so I can actually organize it and have it nice. So it's a benefit of home ownership is that you can kind of customize things. Yeah. So tell the people because you originally had your closet because it's not the closet in your bedroom because obviously you guys have two different closets. So you're getting the bigger closet in what was previously the guest room but now it's going to become natalie's like sewing craft room slash book room slash really cool room and i'm painting it pink (gasps) pink pink so i'm very excited to get that all set up yeah it's gonna look awesome okay so my second one is that i'm currently see natalie influenced me to do this but (gasps) i'm currently listening to harry potter the sorcerer's stone on audiobook and I love it. It's so good. Like I'm 
obsessed. I can't stop listening to it. I'm actually really close to finishing it. I think I have. Oh my god! I think I have less than two hours left. I usually listen to all audiobooks on 1.2 speed, at least sometimes faster. But the Harry Potter ones, I just listen to at normal speed because I like want to savor them. They're so good. Jim Dale is just yeah such a good narrator. Oh he does god. all the voices really well, except for Hermione. Yeah. But, but no, he kind of makes her whiny, but the rest of them are really good. The rest of the voices, so good. Like, especially Hagrid's. Oh, my God. It sounds just like the actual Spot Hagrid. On. Like, yeah, so good. And even – it's just all so good. Like, it's just so immersive, and I love it. I'm mm-hmm. really, really loving it. So I actually got an Audible subscription just to listen to the Harry Potter books. <laughs> yep. Oh, they're so good. That's what got me into audiobooks was listening to the Harry Potter books. So my third thing is actually something that I had watched a while ago, but then I re-remembered it when Caroline had mentioned Lindsay Lohan earlier, is Lindsay Lohan did an interview with Allure, breaking down all of her iconic looks throughout her career. And I think she specifically talked about her hair a lot. And it's a YouTube video, and it's really, really good. So you should go watch it. I love that. I really love the Lindsay Lohan renaissance, so... I, Me too. I'm here for it. I actually feel like I did see part of that interview on like TikTok, like clips of it or something, but not all of it. So I need to check it out. It's really good. You can tell that she's done like a lot of healing and that she's able to kind of like look back on times where she struggled and like kind of laugh about it and reflect about it. And like you could tell that she's really matured and I just loved it yeah. because I'm really here for it. I'm so glad Lindsay Lohan's back and hopefully she's thriving. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so my third one is that this is kind of just like a – I've been meaning to get a purse because I've just really wanted one. And so when I was in Atlanta, I just finally bit the bullet and bought a purse from Anthropology, and I think it's really cute. I'm really enjoying it. So I actually haven't seen it. Show it to me. Do you want me to go grab it? Yeah. But it's just like a little like bucket bag. Oh, that's really cute. I like it a lot. Yeah. It's just like a little bucket bag, and what I think's cute about it is – it comes with like so it's these little hook like not hook straps mm-hmm. it's these little straps and then it comes with a long one but then it also comes I love that. with a thicker shorter one if i want to make it oh shorter. interesting and it came with this little cosmetic bag in it too oh my gosh that's so, so cute yeah so like this weekend when i went to the wedding i just put like some like per- um i put perfume and some lip gloss and stuff in it so I think it's really cute. I'm really liking it. And okay, here's a shout out, a good shout out to Laura if you've made it this far, Laura. She convinced me to get this because <laughs> I am I have decision paralysis, so I can't make decisions. And I you really do. wasn't going to get this. And she was like, freaking get it. And basically was like, you're getting it. And I really like it. Yeah, it's super cute. I like that it's like small, but looks big enough to hold. I don't know. My favorite size bag is one that's small enough that I don't feel like I'm carrying a giant bag but is just big enough to fit a book yeah oh yeah like if I could fit my book wallet phone keys that's like the perfect size bag for me yeah oh this bag can fit a lot cute well I think that's enough distractions for this week make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the easily distracted pod for more content picks and updates if you've been distracted by anything lately and you have a topic you want us to do a deep dive on Reach out to us on Instagram or TikTok to let us know. New episodes are posted every Thursday. We're back to Thursdays. So until next Thursday, stay distracted. Bye.